1: Thursday means it's Andrew Giuliani Day. And you won't have to wait too long before we get a chatting away with Andrew Giuliani. The number to reach us, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. There is so much, of course, in the news. We were five days away from the first votes of the primary season in Iowa yesterday. That means today we are... Four days away. And last night was the Ron and Nikki show. Andrew Giuliani, my friend, how are you? Uh, James,
2: great to be with you. Thanks for having me come on early here. I didn't want to get caught up in a plane here uh, having a call in. So thank you again for being flexible with me over here. But you're absolutely right. Anytime, (laughs) Andrew. Uh, Thank you, James. Thank you very much. Well, look, I got to tell you. Uh, you know, when I looked at last night, again, I mean, maybe this is just me, and there's no doubt I am biased, right, on this. So say it for what it is. But I think, again, Trump was the big winner last night in, in seeing DeSantis and Haley go at each other. Uh, that was the take that I got on all this. What was your take here, James?
1: I didn't watch it. <laughs> I did not, Andrew. you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's it's kind of like watching the giants play football right now their season is over what are we doing watching them playing football anymore right is that is that kind of the analogy
1: exactly you know what <laughs> usually i mean to me this is stunning for me even to admit it i am a political junkie as you know and i have been a political junkie all of my life i'm the guy that watches c-span 2 because I want to see the Senate hearings. I'm the guy that watches C-SPAN 1. I But you know what? No. Last night I said, okay, the Ron and Nikki show is on. Do I watch it or do something else? And I said, do something else. I don't want to get my blood pressure up. Why? I'll read about it. And everything I read about it confirms, confirms that I made the right choice. Look, Andrew, can we just... Look, I like Ron DeSantis very, very much. I l- yep. really do. I love the guy. But can we just admit that this thing has been over since it began? That Donald Now Absolutely. there is there are stories today that Nikki is is um gonna do well in New Hampshire, that she's surging ten and and there's a ten point spread between where she was, where she is now, that Nikki could pull off a very good day for herself in New Hampshire. There is absolutely nobody in the entire world of political punditry suggesting that Ron DeSantis is going to do well in any of the contests. And, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, I'm just saying, what's out there? Nikki Haley... Agree with you. Okay, let's go beyond New Hampshire. Where is Nikki Haley going to do well beyond New Hampshire if she does well in New Hampshire?
2: I mean, she has to be looking at South Carolina. Right? She has to be looking New Hampshire and South Carolina and that's going to be a one two punch for her in her mind here. But the thing about Nikki Haley and again last night this just confirmed it for me again in in watching what I did watch cuz I actually did put myself through watch some of it. Uh, I must say I watched some of it in the morning. So it wasn't like I was watching it live last night cuz I was also keeping an eye on the Trump town hall. But when I think about all the flip-flops that Nikki Haley has done, it's kind of amazing to me. And I know one of the candidates can't remember if it was Vivek or if it was, uh, if it was Christie even, but somebody said that Haley reminds her of a, uh, of, of a Republican John Kerry. No, it was a kid who was actually one of her town halls. She's flip-flop on the retirement age being too low. She's flip-flop over government control of social media. She's flip-flop over, Pushing against a bathroom bill in South Carolina. She says she never pushed against to veto it. She absolutely did. She made sure it wouldn't go through the legislature so she wouldn't have to veto it. And she flip flopped on whether it should be legal for kids to mutilate their genitals. But here's the biggest thing that gets me about Nikki Haley, James, and it should scare every single one of us. And you can absolutely go out there and find it. It's out there. She said, and I quote The reason I got into politics was because of. Wait for it. Hillary Clinton. What do you think?
1: How does that job with the timeline? Really? Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent.
2: Out of out of her out of her own two lips right there, the reason Nikki Haley got into politics was because of Hillary Clinton. Now you ask yourself, what's she doing in this Republican primary? That's what I have to ask myself when I hear any candidate say that.
1: Wow. Okay, so now let's talk political futures. Unless something dramatic happens, and it could, it is way too early to start making predictions about the finality of, and, and, and this will give some comfort to some of the people who say that Biden is not going to be the nominee. I don't necessarily believe that, but I also believe it is too early On any side, because if you follow politics, you know that we are a long way away, even in July, to say that something is going to happen for sure. Those of us that went through the tumultuous years looking at 1968, after 1968 election, how can anyone say, we know for sure what's going to happen far out? We don't. But... If things continue along the current trajectory, Donald Trump is far and away looking at this point like he will be the Republican nominee. What does that do, in your estimation, Andrew, for Ron DeSantis, for Nikki Haley? And then I want to expand it and just ask you, Because at one point, the field was crowded. We have Vivek Ramaswamy out there. Now, Vivek is polling at 4%. Is he done for good? You've had this guy, one of the most interesting guys that I still wanted to know more about when he dropped out was the governor of North Dakota, this guy, Doug Burgum. I Mm -hmm. kept reading in the early days that he was kind of a squish. But when he did speak, the few times he did speak, the guy sounded reasonable. Is he done? Does he have more recognition now and perhaps a future in the party on the basis of his limited performance? Are guys like Asa Hutchison and Chris Christie, who both ran on Trump hate, are they done? Yeah. Are they toast? So at looking at this, we're four days away from Iowa now. Pull out your crystal ball and tell me what happens to the future here of some yeah. of the lineup that we saw thus far along the way.
2: Okay, let's take the four that uh, that either are still in it or just got out. Let's start with Christie as he just got out. I think you're absolutely right. I can't think of one issue that Chris Christie ran on except for his hatred of Donald Trump. And I have this feeling, just kind of knowing politics, as you know it so well, James, that there was probably a lot of talk behind the scenes, maybe with the Haley camp, that if Christie gets out that he'd come out and endorse her. Well, I mean, what a mistake he made yesterday with that hot mic comment saying Nikki Haley was going to get absolutely trounced, a real moment of truth out of Chris Christie and his mouth. So I really can't see much of a future uh, if President Trump is, in fact, the nominee, Uh, certainly not in the next couple of of years, we'll put it that way. I think with Vivek, he's been very, very impressed. He made some big mistakes. There's no doubt about it when he talks about Israel. That was a mistake but I have really liked I would say 90 95 percent of what has come out of the vex mouth and I think it's a guy who's really raised his stock uh, at this point now but uh, DeSantis I think what happens over the next let's say two weeks with DeSantis it's really going to determine whether or not Ron DeSantis could potentially be the front runner again in 2028 if he were to look at his chances right now and say you know what who is the other America First candidate in this race who's polling at more than 5%? And obviously, that's the far and away frontrunner, Donald Trump. I think it's really, really important for Ron DeSantis' political future that he analyze the field right now and that he says, you know what? For the next four years, the importance of Western civilization depends on this guy. So either right before Iowa or right after Iowa, but can't wait till New Hampshire, Ron. You got to make it before New Hampshire. And I'm not even talking about a day before New Hampshire. It's got to be a few days before New Hampshire. Uh, I think it's time for us to look and say, you know what? I'm endorsing President Donald Trump and I'm going to go and campaign for her. And Nikki Haley, I mean, you know, maybe running the Democratic primary. If he's your uh, lodestar, then then go run it as a Democrat. I, I, that's enough for me with that.
1: You know, Nikki Haley, to me, is really interesting. I know a lot of Republicans that are conservatives have a real distaste for Nikki Haley. I don't yeah. share that. I think Nikki Haley is actually, you know, she reminds me of, and and, and this is a little before your time, but I i know that that you have probably read about him. She reminds me of Nelson Rockefeller in a way. Mm. Nelson Rockefeller was... Kind of a milk toasty Republican, but in some ways he endeared himself to a segment of the Republican Party, and the same, the same with this guy. Uh, the, the Javits Center is named after him, Jacob Javits. For goodness' sake,s yes. there there are certain Republicans that they, I don't know, they hit. They are not conservatives for sure but Mm -hmm. they can amass enough of a following from different wings of the party that they become viable. I don't think Nikki's future is necessarily over after this. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Nikki Haley can have a a future, but she's going to have to, both she and Ron DeSantis are going to have to go to the political woodshed and figure out, how they want to present themselves to the American people, yeah, if they see, are me, going to have a good success in the future.
2: Yeah, to, to me, it's it's not. Desantis does not have a problem with conviction. I see him as a as a man of conviction. I just think he doesn't know how to actually uh, portray it. Right. I mean, you don't see any charm when it comes to Desantis, and this is not just uh, this is not just a matter of seeing it on TV. It doesn't. Us in person, either. I've been in the same room as him uh, four or five times, and every single time he just comes off as, as very stiff and, and not warm in any kind of a way. And so there's no connection to him. That actually, believe it or not, can be learned. That's something actually that Roger Ailes helped my father with uh, from 1989 to 1993 when he lost his first mayoral campaign. You'll hear my father talk about it time and time again right there. With Nikki Haley, the problem for me, and and I know I've mentioned it before, and you may very right, look, we're going to be asking uh, Republicans that are conservatives, that maybe are not conservatives, to come on out and vote in November. The problem is I don't want somebody that, to me, seems to be flip-flopping on a lot of issues, does not have the conviction of her beliefs, in my mind, to be leading this party right now. And and I always go back to, and again, this is because I – the administration, I remember this very, very well, her leaving the president's administration three weeks before the midterms in 2018. To me, that was one of the biggest slap in the faces, not just to President Trump, not just to the administration, I really think to the Republican Party, because that was a moment where we were trying to get as many seats as possible, trying to hold on to the House, which we lost, trying to hold on to the Senate, which we just barely held on to. And Nikki Haley abandoned ship, and I think she abandoned ship because if President Trump was popular when she eventually ran for president, she can point and say, I left at a time that it was not popular to do that. And ever since that moment, I looked at her and said, I don't want her leading my ship.
1: Wow, great analysis. Let me just say uh, this, uh, Andrew, what you said about charm. And the political term that most pundits use is the likability factor. Let me tell you something. You can have all the policy in the world. You are so dead on right, Andrew. You can be the stalwart of policy if you don't make a connection with voters. And that connection sometimes is a nonverbal connection. It's knowing when to have a genuine, it's smiling at the right point. It's knowing how to show empathy to people in your audience. It's knowing when not to come off as a tough guy, but when to come off as being more sensitive, a tough guy or gal. It is something that, that the great politicians have. Ronald Reagan was there was there were two politicians to me in our in in the last 60 years that had that thing exuding from them one was ronald reagan the other was bill clinton you're right they knew how to connect with people now donald trump has the same thing he knows how to connect with his base and they are loyal to him the thing about donald trump though is as many people are inspired by him as many people who love him would do anything there are those who have been so turned off by him that it's hard to see how they would go come back into the fold they're never trumpers we talk about them all the time but To a degree, Donald Trump has that, too. He knows how to make a connection. But the the biggest giants of that connection politically, Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan.
2: Great examples. You're absolutely right on that. And I think with regards to Trump, what's, what's ended up happening here over the last year and a half is I think people have kind of said, well, you know what? Uh, maybe we didn't like some of the tweets that he sent out there. Maybe we thought that, uh, you know, things were a little divisive. I think some of that stuff was kind of the media trying to make him as divisive as possible when he actually did try to work across the aisle time and time again. Um, but, yes, I think you're absolutely right. Um, the only thing that I would just say is when when I look at Trump, I think that a lot of people now are saying, you know what, he might not have been the most warm and fuzzy guy But, man, we didn't have record inflation. We didn't have two wars going on. And we'll take a couple of mean tweets, if you will, if our country is going to be safe, if we're going to be more prosperous, and we're going to actually lead by example. So uh, you're probably right about that, James.
1: Andrew, as always, what a pleasure. I so love our Thursday chats. I hope you folks out there too, too. Andrew Giuliani, we'll catch up with you next uh, Thursday. Safe travels. This afternoon, thank Andrew. Always, James. Thank you so much. Th- thank you. Really 2005, in the New year 2005, James Griffin, guitarist, Academy Award winning songwriter, passed away in Nashville. He was 61 years old. He was the guitarist for Bread. The hits from Bread, you know. Make it with you, baby. I'ma want you, everything I own. An icon of American music, James Griffin. Acknowledged today on Boston and Fresh Rush Hour. Your telephone call is coming up, 800-848-WABC. Stay with us. I really
0: think we could make it.
3: The Rush Hour is
0: on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Oh, yeah, the Bengals. Birthday today for Vicki Peterson, guitar vocalist. With the, the, the Bengals. Oh, this has to be their most oh, well known song. How can you not love this song? Walk like an yeah, I had an interesting. Uh, Walk like an
0: Egyptian. Do it. Yeah, There
1: you go, there you go. Yeah, love that, love that. You know, uh, Ms. Churchill, one of America's premier songwriters, is also very astute politically. One of the things that she said, she was listening to Andrew, and she said this. She said, you know, Hillary Clinton, she's a fighter, she's brilliant. Does that mean she needs to be emulated at every step? No, no, no. So, you know, she's an interesting perspective about Hillary. And, and one thing about her, she never does give up like a pit bull. She also knows how to hide emails well. She knows how to do opposition research. This little Trump collusion thing that she's never paid the price for. What a dirty trick. The, the Democrats swear up and down. If you say dirty tricks to them, they'll, they'll just immediately start talking about, uh, George Bush's guy. You know, um, but, yeah, Lee, but the dirty tricks that the Democrats have done, this whole Russian collusion hoax, the January 6th committee, where they actually hijacked a congressional committee, threw the Republicans off of it, except for two so-called Republican shills, come up with fake conclusions, and then destroy the the whole records of it afterwards. Nobody knows how to plot and scheme like Democrats. And if you believe, and there are many who do, that January 6th had some involvement like we never understood fully Nancy Pelosi's role in the security of all that stuff, there's a lot more to that story. There's a lot more to the COVID story. I started talking about that yesterday. In fact, Newsweek has a piece today. Fauci gives Republicans ammo for lab leak conspiracy theory. And this is just the, this is exactly what I mean. Right now, this is being cast as a Democrat Republican issue. COVID was not a Democrat or Republican story. It is a worldwide story that deals with the potential for the greatest man-made virus that ended up killing and injuring, with illness, millions of people worldwide and causing economic ruin from one end of the globe to another. And yet, all our press can do now, oh, this is, oh, the Republicans. No, 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 no. This, This COVID thing was a lot deeper than that. Anyway, there is news today about Fannie. Now, apparently, we are learning that Fulton County prosecutors coordinated with the January 6th committee. So you've had this prosecutor that is alleged to be boinking Fannie showing up at the White House, meeting with the White House warriors. And now, now, we're learning. You can find the story today at the Daily BS that this guy, Nathan Wade, who is the boinker in the alleged boinking of Fannie, that he appears to have met four times with the January 6th committee. And this is based on billing statements. He billed $6,000 for 24 hours between April 18th and April 21. Team meeting, conference with January 6th, research, legal issues to prep interview. So there are all kinds of questions that Fannie should be asked. Now, you're not seeing this front page New York Times. You're not seeing it front page. Washington Post, Amazon Prime, Washington Post. Why not? One of the reasons turning the page that people love Donald Trump so much is what he did today. Yesterday we got word that the judge said, nope, you can't speak on your own behalf. You can't have any say in your own closing arguments, Donald Trump, this egregious decision by this partisan hack judge told Donald Trump, shut up. What happened today? Donald Trump defied that and spoke anyway during his own closing arguments. Let's see. What could the judge do at that point to shut him up? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing gotta love Donald Trump. The way that he just refuses to back down. Yeah. 1964 in this day, the Kingsmen were number one with this song. And Cashbox. Cashbox was one of the trade magazines, one of the big trade magazines. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, he's explaining it to me, who is 25 years old and wasn't around back in the day.
1: So we used to get these magazines and radio that told you where chart positions were. One of the biggest was Cashbox. And their charts were just as important as Billboard. And then later on came another trade, Radio and Records. But back in the 60s, Cash Box was a big one. And on this day in 1964, Louie Louie, the Kingsman, number one song in Cashbox. This song was banned by several radio stations. Why? Because some of the lyrics were indecipherable. Oh. <laughs> and they were rumored to contain naughty words. The Federal Bureau of Investigation actually looked into this song to see whether there was anything subversive in it <laughs> yeah
4: you know the song actually reminds me of sixth grade band um because we we, we did a little cover of it in uh, you know band class I played saxophone back then
1: Wow yeah Louis Louis 1964. W-A-B-C, Boston Early's Rush Hour, 800-848-W-A-B-C. Your phone call is coming up, so stay with us.
2: It's
0: the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdley. Rush, rush, Now, here's Bo Snerdley. What you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike and I like to say hello.
1: Or to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the cripple, and yellow. But first, I gotta... 1956, Big Bank Hank was born, Henry Lee Jackson. There he is, Big Bang, Big Bank Hank, Sugar Hill Gang. 1979, had the first hip hop crossover smash hit. He died young, fifty-eight years old back in twenty fourteen. But the music, of course, lives on. So I can see the next play basketball. Him and juggle about checkbook, but it cost more money I than a sucker could ever spend. But I wouldn't give a sucker or a bum from the rock, and a died till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, yeah. KF, oh, KF. What you gonna do today? A day in up, you take a friend. A friend. <laughs> of course, the music well, old and old and old. you recognize from Sheik, <laughs> Nah, Roger Sheik. Good times. That's what the under. Yeah, baby. That's the line, That's the music. Oh man, oh man. You know, earlier today we had the Naked Cowboy on the phones. I was waiting to talk with this guy. The second time he's called in, and I haven't been able to get him. There, there This guy, there's a guy, the Naked Cowboy. I know. He's who he in is. Times. Well, he called in. He says he is the Naked Cowboy, the guy in Times Square. And I was trying to figure out why he was calling me, and I wanted to talk with him. So, Naked Cowboy, if you're out there, next time don't hang up so soon. I we we see you. I want to find out what's on your mind, Naked Cowboy. Okay, let us head to the telephones. Let's go in Queens and visit with Stan. Stan, you're on a News Rush Hour. How are you today?
0: You, how? First of all, did you ever play Billy Eckstein? I once asked you, did you ever play
1: him? We haven't played Billy Eckstein Remember, yet. Remember, you promised me, me. You did promise. I know, but in, look, 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 look. We, we, in the future, we're going to do a re-up on the library one of these days, and when we do, we'll throw some Billy Eckstein in there. And we'll play some Billy Eckstein. You made me go back and listen to Billy Eckstein. by the way. After you got through talking about it, I went back to my iTunes and pulled out some Billy Eckstein because I hadn't heard him in a long time. Hello? Yes. Are
0: you kidding? I wanted to talk. Hello? Yes. Are you-
1: well, that's that. Let us go to Jay and New Jersey. And, Jay, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh. I just want to know your thoughts on Bray Epps, you know, that alleged FBI informants just sent us to one year probation. You know, if there was any doubt about it till now, now we know he's a Fed. You know, these Jan 6 political hostages are just languishing in solitary confinement without due process, and this man, who's on video urging the breaching of the barriers at the Capitol, and who was at the Capitol on January 5th, instigating folks to go into the Capitol the next day, he gets off scot-free.
1: You know, I have a good friend who's done a lot of investigation into this Epps case. And he texted me two or three days before the sentencing. And he said, you watch. This guy will do no jail time. And as you point out, he's not going to do any jail time. Not really. So I'm not one to just sign on and say we know for sure. I do not know for sure. But, that said, this looks really bad. It has a bad look to it. It has a bad smell to it. And I think that if, indeed, we have a Republican in the White House in 2025, you know, there's an urge where people, don't look backwards, don't look backwards, just look forwards. No. Look backwards. Look backwards and go back and demand from Congress all of the records pertaining to January 6. Of course, they have already told us that they've destroyed some. Look backwards and go through and tell us the truth about COVID and how that was introduced to the world. There are plenty of things that we should be looking backwards on to get to the truth. Because so far, we have not been given the truth. Thank you for the call. Frank in Mount Vernon, New York. Thank you for waiting.
0: Uh, Good afternoon, James. Uh, Look, you can't be successful in the future if you're not willing to look back at the history. Now, on a a funny note, I'm waiting for you to get a TV show and have on The Naked Cowgirl. That's what I'm interested in.
4: (laughs) That aside
0: that aside uh, let me say this uh let's go back a little bit because we talk about history let's go back to 9-11 do the uh people in gaza and the people in the west bank think we forgot that on 9-11 they were in the streets giving out candy to kids cheering yes 3,000 innocent souls and yes. they're out there cheering and i'm supposed to be worried about what's happening to them today after what they did and the other thing i want to tell president trump and all of his followers, please stop calling it a swamp. A swamp is a body of water created by God with God's creatures in it, with man interceding and interjecting themselves into the swamp and working with the creatures that are in the swamp. It's not a swamp, it's man made. It's called a sewer. Man created the sewers, man created what's going on in Washington. It's an absolute sewer. It's where waste goes. Only you're supposed to get the waste out of the house. We've got the waste going into the house, up to their eyeballs, right through the United States. Now, let
1: let me, before you go further, I want to go back to the first thing you raised about Gaza and are we supposed to forget. No, we're not supposed to forget that. But look, here's the thing that's really difficult to do. It's really difficult sometimes to... Remember our humanity. When you see pictures, and if they are Israeli children, and what happened to Israeli children being burned to death in microwaves, being butchered like they were pieces of meat, should never, ever be forgotten by Hamas. At the same time, we as human beings should not be so callous that when we see pictures of innocent Palestinian children that have been caught up in this war that they did not ask for, that we should also not have empathy. And our prayer should not go to them, to their souls, and to the souls of their family members. We should not allow ourselves to become that callous. Now, am I saying that we should chastise Israel for mounting a defense over what happened to them? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying at all. Israel has every right to defend themselves. Israel needs to follow through and dismantle 100%. Dismantle Hamas. And if Hezbollah jumps into it, they need to dismantle them too. And if the Houthis keep sending rockets to try to attack United States ships, And United States Navy, our Navy should send them into the next world. That said, let us not ever lose our humanity and become indifferent to the suffering of the innocent. We should not allow that to happen to us either. Thank you for the call. Let's check in with Lou Dobbs, shall we? WABC. Talk Radio 77. Oh, this is the Sly and the Family Stone version. Mary J. Blige did a version of Family Affair. In 1971, Mary J. Blige was born. WABC Talk Radio 77. This is always going to be my favorite version. So we'll just listen to Sly. Just loved to burn. You can't argue with Sly Stone. We're checking in with Lou Dobbs and then more of your phone calls. Blondie, stay there. I'm coming to you next. James Golden, Bo Snurvy with you here on WABC.
3: Blood stick up in the mud,
0: it's a family affair. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. Rush, it's the rush hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Jimmy Hendrix brings us back on this day 1967 Jimmy Hendrix records Purple Haze at Delane Lee Studios in London Later on, he would say Purple Haze was written about a dream that he had. He was walking under the sea. Yeah. This song brings back memories. And I'll just leave it at that.
0: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Nerdly, presents
4: Rapid Phones.
1: And we turn to Blondie. Love the name in Nutley, New Jersey. Good afternoon, Blondie.
4: Good afternoon, James. Thank you. I'll make this very quick. I just want to say I've traveled the world, and two things, even if you don't speak the language, reaches people. One is food, and one is music. And I want to say thank you for noting, James Griffin, that few people know who he is. And he was a tremendous person, and they all look at the other singer like David Gates, but he was a tremendous writer. And you had uh, Larry Nechtel, which was uh, the pianist for uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, part of the Wrecking Crew. And that was my musical information for the leaders out there. Thank you very much, because I've heard music, and you have too, that other our listeners won't ever hear. Because I worked at a university uh, in the 70s. And the second thing is, I just want your listeners to know, please, if you ever listen to Joe Biden speak, never once, never once in the primaries or as president, never once has he ever, I have ever heard him say, I love America. Yet, Donald mm. said that every time. Donald Trump loves America. The people And the hatred out there is unbelievable, but never, ever once, let your listeners know, never, ever once has Joe Biden said, I love America in any of his speeches, yet Donald Trump said it for years and continues to say it and will forever, because he loves America and its people.
1: Thank you, Blondie. We turn to New Jersey. Stay in New Jersey and speak with David. David, welcome to Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you this afternoon?
4: I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And I love America as a Navy veteran. I wanted to say briefly that I feel that the gun grabbing Krispy Kreme, Chris Christie, has cheated us and the good citizens of New Hampshire because we won't be able to see how Governor Christie in a docket, Nicholas Papura versus Christie et al., claimed that the Second Amendment ends at the threshold of your glorious New Jersey property taxes. Chris Christie, has always supported gun control, and now you can have the hit him where the good Lord split him. Go, Trump, go.
1: Whoa, who here? Viviana in the Brooklyn, New York, you are next. Welcome to Bosnian Rush Hour. You. Good afternoon.
3: And salutes to the first two speakers. And um, yesterday, something happened that all New Yorkers in all boroughs must come against. Unfortunately, uh, Mayor Adams was told that Floyd Bennett Field is a flood region. Do not put the migrants there. What happened is, with that big storm, they ended up putting all those 1,900 migrants that came here illegally in James Madison High School in Midwood, Brooklyn, and now our children have to go and have remote learning, which we found out is very harmful to them. We got to go there just like the Staten Islanders did and say, no way. In our schools, you can't do this. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share that. Please. Viviana speaks
1: truth, my friends. Uh, These people were housed, and many of them were sleeping on the floor. There are pictures of that. Now, from what I understand, yesterday they were repatriated back to Floyd Bennett Field, the flood zones, and she's absolutely right about that. The mayor was told that the Floyd Bennett Field was not a good location, but he's desperate. They're desperate, so they went anyway. And she's also dead on right that because the migrants were sent to James Madison High School, the students were told you can't use your school. So look at what has happened in New York. New Yorkers, taxpayers pay for services already that you are not getting. Your budgets are cut to accommodate illegal immigrants that are in New York. And now your schoolchildren cannot go to their school in Brooklyn Because it is more important that people who are not legally accepted in this country are there. Because the Democrat Party, because Joe Biden refused to fix the borders. There is a story today that our borders are, Kamala Harris, hasn't talked to the government of Guatemala since last year, last summer. And that's one of the main areas that is sending migrants through Mexico to get here. Absolutely no dialogue from these people. They don't care. It's insanity. Mike in Connecticut, you're up next.
2: Hey, I love your show, uh, first off. Second of all, just wondering so when you go to a supermarket, what do you get when you check out? A receipt. Yeah, how come we don't get one after we cast our ballots?
1: Amen to you. Brevity, the soul of wit that was wit and on fire, dead on. We didn't even get to talk about Bill Belichick today. Well, tomorrow's Friday. Belichick's gone out of New England. And the Giants are in the playoffs. Oops. Oh, no, they're not. (laughs) Sorry. Um, May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we will be back tomorrow for Bosnia Early's Friday edition of Rush Hour here on WABC. Till then, bye.